0: America, happy Thursday, a busy newsy Thursday. It is just a couple of quick headlines before we get to two great guests today. I'm really excited about this. Devin Nunez, former congressman, current CEO of the Truth Social app company, the Trump Media and Technology Group. He's going to be joining us. We're going to talk about the big news that Truth Social now got into the Google App Store. And then one of my favorite national security thinkers. He used to write for me when I was at the Washington Times on the op-ed pages. Bobby Charles, it is AMAC day. I love it when we have our AMAC guests, our great partners on so many different things. Bobby Charles here to talk about all things security. A lot to think about. China, Biden foreign policy, Russia, Ukraine. We're going to cover all that. A great show. But let me just get you quickly to what is an extraordinary day of headlines. First off, Igor Danchenko trial. A bombshell revelation again last night. Remember, on Tuesday, we learned that the FBI offered or dangled a million dollars if Christopher Steele could back up his dossier, which, by the way, he didn't do. Then last night, we learned that during the Igor Danchenko trial, that Brian Auten, the analyst who played such a big role in creating the materials that went to the FISA court, he has been ordered to be suspended as discipline for his role in that. But he's appealing and he's trying to fight it. Interesting outcome there. Today, we learned something kind of interesting. A large majority of what Christopher Steele put into the dossier really came from a single source, Danchenko, that it was really a sole source dossier made to look like there are a lot of subsources. That is an interesting thing that came out today. Those are the big headlines in the Danchenko trial. A little bit ago, the Supreme Court rejected Donald Trump's request to intervene in the Mar-a-Lago case, allowing the appeals court decision to go forward, meaning the Justice Department can keep investigating the documents. The January 6th committee just voted unanimously to subpoena Donald Trump for testimony. That is a big headline. And then former presidents are in the news today too. Michelle Obama, former first lady, while well, her secret service driver has been charged with harassment, and intimidation. How about that? That's a big news story trending all around. And then in the world of election integrity, because every time we hear it's perfect, we know it's not. We all know it's not. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we got to be aware of the problems. In an Illinois county, they have the wrong U.S. Senate candidate on the ballot, and there's early voting going on, meaning that that candidate's going to be harmed by that extraordinary Tell you, those are all the headlines today we're gonna take a quick commercial break when we come back up first Devin Nunez followed by my good friend Bobby Charles right after that hey folks have you heard of cancer fighting foods the American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer think about that for a second that's really important hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence
0: journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As we had reported on just the news the last 24 hours, the Truth Social app has made it finally into the Google Play Store. It is now in both of the largest smartphone stores in America. That is a major accomplishment six months in from the soft launch of the app. And joining us to bring us up to date on that, plus a good discussion about the Danchenko trial is our good friend, former Congressman Devin Nunes. Sir, good to have you back on the show.
2: John, great to be with
0: you and great
2: to finally be available in the United States and the United Kingdom on everyone's phone. It took us a while to get here, but We're we're glad to be here. So we're we're hopeful now that everyone who has an Android uh, can either go to the Google Play Store or the Samsung Galaxy Store and download the app.
0: Yeah, it's such a big expansion. It's like about 44, 45% of the market. That is a remarkable snap-in at a time where people who are already on the app are really engaged. I mean, we see it at Just the News every day. Truth is always in our top three or four referrers of traffic. People are engaged in the news, they're engaged in the conversation how big a moment is this in terms of rolling out a much larger audience?
2: Well, clearly, getting open on on everyone's phone is a, you know is an important milestone, and you know the the next milestones that we have to get to is right now we're we're really good on on news and information. We have great content providers like you, John, to adjust the news, but to get to the next level where we're trying to be a platform that takes the best of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and puts it into one app, we need, you know, we're we're testing and building out new features. And so, you know, right now, uh, we our next feature to come out is direct messaging so that now you can be in not only social network and get your news, but people that you follow and that, that follow you, you'll be able to communicate with them. And it's, uh, it's all part of us building out this separate ecosystem of giving the American people their voice back and giving them a way to social network and communicate with one another without fear of being politically targeted and or
0: canceled. Wow, that's such an important development. We saw that. I got that notification on my app about a week ago. That's exciting. You know, in the sitcom world, usually like once a year, the sitcoms will do an update and they bring in a new character to freshen up. You guys are rolling out new features and new capabilities and new markets about once every month or two, and you're only six months old. You're on a pretty, from even the best big technology platforms, you're on a pretty fast rollout schedule for how many things you've already accomplished in the first six or seven Seven months. Well, how do you pull that off? How do you keep the plane running while also keeping really significant developmental milestones and developmental features going on at the same time?
2: Well, it all, it all starts with making sure that as we build, we test and that we can't be taken down by any of the big tech tyrants, right? So that part, our partnership with Rumble has been critical in that. So I, I kind of look at it uh, very simply and that I mentioned earlier that we're we're the social networking part of this of this kind of parallel ecosystem, or the new internet superhighway that we have to build, and we have to build a, a new internet because the old internet is governed by tech oligarchs. So, with being that we're the networking arm, what else do you need to to, to build out that internet? Well, you need a cloud, and that's what Rumble provides us, so that we can't be canceled and destroyed like amazon did to parlor second thing you need is you need video because we know that we can't rely on youtube because youtube has been canceling uh, people left and right for expressing their their political views and if they don't cancel them they demonetize them so rumble is is that video platform and they they provide the video uh, for true social and then third and and probably most importantly is the Rumble ad platform. So the, the digital ad world is completely dominated by Google. And I mean, in, in, in most of the world, it's virtually 100%. And I think in the United States, it's got to be upwards of 95% of all digital advertising runs through Google. So we're focusing, True Social's focusing on the communications, the social networking, and we're, we're riding on these r- Rumble rails with video, ads, and cloud, and then above all else, John, I, you know, just should say that, you know, it really takes a world-class team to do that, and you know what we've assembled. at True Social is we have very dedicated people who believe in free speech, who work 24/7 around the clock. I mean, really, is how we're, we're able to do this. Where we're constantly building, testing, building, testing. Just one, one brick at a time. Very, very methodical. And uh, just making that we making sure that we we can't be taken down by a tech oligarch and we can't be can't be destroyed. And obviously, the, the the two big ones that we have no choice in is we have to be in the Apple App Store for people who have iPhones. And we had to be in the Google Play Store for people who have Android. And outside of those two companies that we have to be able to work with, everything else we have created a beachhead against big tech.
0: Yeah, such an important moment. The announcement last night about the Google Play decision, you said this was a major milestone in the the advance of free speech. It's so much more than just an app, right? This is really a fight for returning America to an era when we had free speech. Do you hear that from your users a lot? Well, I think probably what's what's really moving
2: is to see these folks who have been canceled by big tech. You know, they you, know, you constantly run into people uh, at at airports. You know that say, "I'm in Facebook jail." I love I love your platform. And you know, just the other night, uh, Johnny, we actually did a great uh, and thank you for this, Real America's Voice. Uh, you and Amanda.
0: Oh, that was so much fun. We had a fun with that. That was a great interview. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we and we did it from John Rich's house, uh, which is which is quite a place, by the way. He wanted to have a celebration because he launched a song of Progress that he didn't have a record label for. No one would promote it. Radio stations wouldn't play it. He launched it on True Social, put the video on Rumble, and in less than 48 hours, it went to the number one song in the world and stayed there for almost two weeks. So he put together a, you know, just had a great celebration. It was very, very, very generous man. Um, very committed patriot. And, you know, it was just such a great party. And we had a lot of our users uh, were there that came in from all over the country. And, you know, I was shocked at the, at just the number of people, people actually, John, that you and I know that have been, you know, that were there at the beginning of the Russia hoax that, you know, got shadow banned by the other platforms for speaking the truth about the Russia hoax. And I didn't believe, I, I didn't even know it. There's so many of them. I had no idea that they had been, they actually had been kicked off the other platforms. And these are, these are people that had a million followers on, on Twitter. And I was just so, so seeing those people, some of whom I've never even met in person, maybe I had done a a podcast with them before, but um, maybe a, a telephone interview, but I had ever, never actually met them in person. And it's just moving to see these people. They are just so happy to have a home just to have a home where they can express themselves and know that they're not going to be canceled ever again. And I think it it means a lot to, obviously, to me and to President Trump to be giving the American people their voice back. But when you see them and hear them about their experiences in person, it really makes you want to get up every day and I think gives a big boost our team at True Social to continue to build out these features in a methodical way to give these people a voice.
0: Yeah, that's the important thing. I know that you have been worried about this cancel culture long before you got to True Social. You saw it all through Russia collusion. You saw it through the impeachment. You saw it through the COVID-19. And you, you saw, you know, Congress not really able to effectively fight it and getting into the private market and creating a real big public solution, I think, has moved the ball forward. It's a really remarkable thing. I'm going to close the loop on truth, and i want to turn quickly to Russia collusion and the Danchenko trial. But what's next? What are the next milestones? You've achieved a lot in six months. Samsung store, Google store, Apple store, your own advertising system, your own cloud system, the timeline. Those are all huge things, instant messaging on the horizon. What are the next important things that we should be watching for as truth continues to grow?
2: So we're 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 going to open uh, in other other countries, um, and that's we're, we're testing right now. Um, you can actually get on the in Canada now. You can actually get onto the uh, Google Play Store, and you can actually download the the app in Canada for for Google. We haven't yet opened it for Apple, but we will. We're also testing in the Portuguese speaking countries which will be different. It's it's much harder for us to do that because, uh, you know, right now we have our moderation, our artificial intelligence and all of that to keep the the platform family friendly and keep the the bad guys off. that want to just create problems. Uh, It's in the English language. Um, But now we're going to move to the Portuguese uh, speaking countries, most notably the most important one being Brazil, uh, because Brazil is such a large market with over 200 million people uh, that that live in Brazil, so that's uh, so we're testing that now, and then I would say the other the other big feature that we hope after the direct messaging, is the group function. So a lot of folks are used to being in groups on Facebook, and that's the uh, that's uh, something that's really important for us to get. You know, there's a lot there's still a lot of people that are on Facebook, and I think if we're going to attract that market. Um, if you know to get beyond the news and information uh, folks that are just you know that like politics, like to know about the news, to move to that next level to truly create social networking, the the direct messaging followed by the groups are going to be critically important, and that's that's how we round out. Uh, and hopefully, you know, no promises here on your show, John, but hopefully we can get this done by by the end of the
0: year. Yeah, those are big milestones. And international expansion is an exciting thing because obviously we're the beacon of free speech and we're suffering with attacks on free speech. But across the globe, there are so many places where dissent is squashed and free speech is squashed. And so this is a welcome entry across the world because you're really solving a global problem, not just an America problem. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Congressman, you played the essential role in unraveling the Russia collusion story. You did it under great counterattack. History has, over, over time, absolutely shown that your report in 2018 was accurate. Adam Schiff's report was completely false. But we're learning new things that I don't think even you would have known in 2018 because of the lack of cooperation from the FBI. But the Danchenko trial has brought some blockbusters, the $1 million payment to steal, to get him to try to prove his dossier, which he didn't take him up on. So that tells you something. And then yesterday, the chief analyst who provided a lot of the analysis that resulted in the FISA acknowledged that he's been recommended for suspension for misleading the FISA court. Of course, he's trying to contest that. But two pretty big developments that really show this wasn't an accident. These were egregious errors that led to a false investigation being started and sustained. Your thoughts about the story that Durham has been able to tell through this trial the last few days?
2: Well, John, if you, you know, it just seems like it it, for the last five years, since we first unraveled this, thanks to to the great work, you, thank you for some of the credit, John, but uh, you were one of the few that actually would do the reporting on this early on uh, because a lot of the other fake news reporters just bought hook, line and sinker, the crazy stuff about P tapes and Moscow and, and wild other you know stories that were that were completely manufactured by the the Clinton campaign and the d n c and paid for by them uh, but I hate to say this, but it's like a new shoe drops every day I mean it's like every day we find out something new, and I mean, look, I don't know how you describe this million dollar payment or potential payment to steal as anything other than what it is. It was a bounty program to get Donald Trump. That's what it was, plain and simple. Still was being paid already by the FBI, and then they go and offer him a million dollars to corroborate the dossier. Now, John, you've been around Washington, D.C. a long time. You, you probably have a lot more uh, experience than I do, but there are not too many awards out there that are in that million-dollar range. I mean, it seems like I remember that Osama bin Laden, there was like a $25 million reward. And I think that might have been the largest ever.
0: I went through the FBI reward for the last 15 years. By the way, just, just a couple months ago, there was an FBI agent shot at by some bad guys in Georgia. The reward for getting that person arrested was like $20,000, $25,000. The million to $5 million range and up. Has been only reserved for most wanted terrorists. Those are the numbers they were willing to pay that to get Donald Trump and try to stop him from being elected. That that's what's so striking about this.
2: It's it, it's just alarming. And you know, my guess is that you know when we you know we made those when we I say the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee, you know, we made those uh, you know fourteen criminal referrals um, that that got to Durham, and I'm sure when you know, when Durham probably got those, um, you know, that early on, he probably thought, wow, you know, probably a lot of this is not going to be, you know, not going to be true. Well, not only is everything that we've said in those, in those referrals true, he's just uncovered so much more. And, and look, I I think there's more that's going on here. Um, It's, it's, it's just so confusing to me as to why uh, these FBI and DOJ characters and some of the Clinton cabal uh, have not been brought up on a conspiracy charge, because clearly they were conspiring to defraud the United States government, to lie and mislead Congress. And, you know, Cash Patel, we were together in Nashville um, at at John Rich's party. And, you know, we were talking about the the subpoenas that we had sent to the to the FBI and DOJ uh, back in 17 and 18. And clearly, a million-dollar bounty program to get Trump was on that list. So how is it that these guys are not being charged with lying and misleading Congress? I mean, because they had to know that. Yeah, they had to, right?
0: And you never were told about the million dollars before you finished your investigation, right?
2: Oh, hell no. We would have I mean, made that public.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, this is and, – and look, and, and, and think about all the other – it's not just that, John. It's, how about all the, the, these new confidential human sources, these informants? I mean, the, the question is, are there any informants out there that, aren't, that are not paid by both the FBI and the DNC somehow? I, I don't think there are. I, I think if you are an FBI informant, there's a good chance that you're also being paid by the, by the DNC. You're double dipping?
0: The double dipping program. Yeah,
2: double, double dipping and
0: coordination.
2: They must know. I mean, how many more of these Democratic operatives are so-called confidential human sources, informants for the FBI? I mean, you know, I don't want to I know we're not going to go into January 6th. But, you know, there's also those unanswered questions of these people that were out there causing problems in January 6th. The infamous Ray Epps and, you know, not to mention the, the Whitmer, the Whitmer case, the Whitmer kidnapping case where you had more informants and FBI uh, stooges than you had, actually, you know, r- American citizens.
0: Yesterday, when John Durham elicited the analyst Brian Auten was facing disciplinary action, I want to ask you these questions. The FBI has tried to portray this as bumbling, fumbling incompetence, which, by the way, is not a great outcome for them either. But do you have any doubt that this was intentional and not just incompetence?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is I mean, look, it was a conspiracy. I mean, there's, there's no question. They they conspired. These guys all had to have known. They all had to have known. And, you know, we thought at the time back in 17 and 18 when we exposed a lot of this and uh, you had, you know, actions were taken against Strzok and Page and McCabe and all the people, Comey, all the people that you've, that the people know about. But it just, it what it looks like is within the National Security Division, specifically within the counterintelligence division, there is a Gestapo type operation in there that is being used using counterintelligence that gives very powerful tools that are supposed to be used to stop terrorists and, and people from you know, really harming the United States of America. They're using those powers against our own citizens. And it looks like they've had a get Trump operation that has been fully active. And it was almost like a, you know, I, Barr evidently didn't find it. Uh, Durham clearly has found it, uh, but he hasn't at this point, hasn't been able to bring uh, a conspiracy charge against people within the, the government agencies and the other uh, people that are affiliated with the Democratic Party and the
0: Clinton campaign. Yeah, it's such a thing. If these reports are right, and by the way, I'm getting the same guidance from government officials that this is the last trial, we'll get to report, and and Durham is pretty much wrapped up. If it ends with just the third criminal case, is there enough deterrent for future FBI agents not to go down the path that these agents did? Are you worried that we haven't created enough of a deterrent for future cheating and malfeasance in criminal investigations, particularly when they come to political figures?
2: Well, I I said this last night on uh, Fox Business with my old pal, uh, Sean Duffy, the former congressman from Wisconsin, and uh, he, he was hosting Fox Business last night and and i said uh, some, something along these lines that if if this is the last case if if somehow danchenko walks and we don't see other charges after all this information that durham has been able to expose there has to be a whole investigation of who stopped durham from being able to bring these cases and i guess there's there's got to be something there garland or someone is is potentially stopping these these charges from being brought, and, and in addition, you know you already have half the country that doesn't trust the FBI and the DOJ. And if Durham is forced to close down, it's going to look very, very political, and you you're already hearing this, John, from very prominent voices uh, in the United States of America from from politicians. Uh, in Washington, state-level politicians and political leaders and even pundits who are talking about the need to disband the FBI. And look, I I think it's going to be impossible. Uh, That is going to become a rallying cry for half the country if Durham is not allowed to finish the job and actually bring prosecutions against these bad actors in the government.
0: Yeah, pretty extraordinary moment. And if you're tempted in the future to do what this team at Crossfire Hurricane did, do you fear the punishment from what has been meted out thus far? Yeah, I think
2: John, I think what you you're you're not going to fear because these guys continue to operate and they were probably rewarded for it. We don't even know how many more are left. You know, and it appears like, you know, the the you know, you had the one guy that resigned or you know supposedly escorted out of the building. It was involved in everything from the Mueller witch hunt or from, from crossfire hurricane to Mueller, the Mueller witch hunt, to the Whitmer case, to then involved in the Mar-a-Lago raid. And, and look, I'll tell you, and I've kind of, I've said this from the very beginning, right after that raid, I said, this just looks like a continuation of the, of the Russia hoax. They should have easily known, you know, their classified documents, John, as you well know, classified documents they're classified and they're organized and people know where those documents are and they know what they are. So why, why did the warrant not just simply say we're looking for document A, B, C, D, E, F, however many there were. And we have reason to believe that they exist at Mar-a-Lago. That's not what the warrant said. The warrant allowed them just to go and get everything. And so I, I really believe this, that the documents that, were supposed to be in the archives i think these crooks within the fbi and doj and and former obama high level officials who are now at a higher level in the biden administration feared that donald trump had those documents at mar-a-lago and that's what they were they were they had to get those because they were nervous that those documents will would get out and this is going to be a fight john that's just going to it's not going to stop. It's an it's it's, a, it's an election issue, obviously not as high as as inflation and these other issues that the candidates are out there talking about right now that are running for office. But you are going to have the base of the Republican Party calling for people's heads on this. And so, unfortunately, I mean, you know, like there's hardly a day goes by. It's like a bad penny that I don't get a phone call. Ask me about the Russia hoax. And it's just going to continue because it's, it's, it's going to become. Just part of the the platform of the Republican party that you know that, that we we cannot survive as a democratic republic with a two tiered justice system
0: it is an extraordinary moment in history, and we are so much better advised and informed because of what you did, Congressman. You took on an enormous counterattack because you dared to go after the truth. But we're smarter and wiser for it. And I think now with this election, if the American people make a decision for transparency and free speech and returning America back to the America we had for 246 years, we're going to be able to fix some of these things. But it started with you at a very critical moment in American history. I know history will look back and see that. Such an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, John. As always, great to be with you. You as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back in a few seconds with Bobby Charles, one of the great national security experts in the country. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC. amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us forward slash I am really excited about the new partnership we have with AMAC. We've had some great conversations already. We're learning a lot of great news, and we could bring news on to the show as a result of the partnership. And today is a very special day. Our next guest is somebody I have admired for years, starting with his time in the Reagan White House, later in the Bush State Department under Secretary of State Colin Powell, one of the most compelling voices in the national security space, and also the national spokesman for AMAC. Boy, are they lucky to have this guy, Robert Bobby Charles. Bobby, great to have you on the show.
1: Always a pleasure to be with you. Really, really a pleasure.
0: I was so lucky back in the day when I was editor of The Washington Times to have you on our op-ed pages, one of the most important voices and clear voices in uh, in security foreign diplomacy. And I think of those columns that you write and how clear and precise and strategic they are. And then I turn around, I watch the Biden White House and the Biden State Department. I'm like, I can't find any clarity. I'm struggling to find a point. We're in an unusual time in American history. It seems as though we're 18 months into a presidency that really has no definition to its foreign policy. Am I wrong about that? Am I being too harsh on them?
1: No, not at all. In fact, I would tell you that I, I think they are sort of weakness are us is their strategy. And uh and I, I say that with uh, with sadness, because quite frankly, I mean, I work with AMAC, obviously, but what happens abroad ha- ha- affects us here and it will affect us, but it already does affect us. And some of the bad decisions that have been made are helping to drive the inflation question, are helping to create major problems uh, for seniors, uh, but it's, it's creating problems for all Americans. And I say weakness are us in foreign policy because it, you have, uh, you know, in physics and just to take a little detour, in physics, you have a, a concept called emergence, which is essentially that things can be bigger than the sum of the parts. And, and you get that you remember the little cartoon where there's a math, math equation, and then there's a miracle, and then things that are just broken at the end, right? Well, the same thing can happen in reverse. You can have a constellation of events at, in foreign policy, for example, which, if you put them together, become far darker than you would have imagined those shades uh, individually. And I look at what happened in terms of Afghanistan. I look at the, the bungled trade policy, reversing everything that Trump started down the right, right path. I look at the bungled relationships in the Middle East. Instead of the Abraham Accords, we have, uh, we have a disintegrating relationship with one of Ronald Reagan's and our greatest allies, Saudi Arabia, who actually, together with the other Sunni countries and with Israel, create essentially a wall Uh, or would have, or should have created a wall against uh, a a budding nuclear Iran. Uh, We have the miscalculation of Iran, the notion that you can somehow square a deal with the devil, get ink on paper, and it'll mean something. Uh, No, it gives them permission to go forward with more of our money uh, in terrorizing the world and, and creating nuclear weapons. So what happened really? And, and, and meanwhile, you've bobbled our relationships with our allies in both NATO and in and in the Far East. I mean, Australia questions us today. We're, we're giving up things like the Solomon Islands, which, uh, which we lost thousands of men, including people from my hometown in Maine uh, 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 to defend. And so it should be disgusting to Americans. And, and the problem is it, it really is a misconception of What foreign policy and national security are all about, it is about defending the interests of the American people, every single one of them. And you cannot look at it as a as a a, a, some sort of a meal ticket for your son. You can't look at it as a way to sort of get a back slap. You can't look at it as a way uh, to sort of gain uh, uh, points at the U.N. That's not what this is about. This is about protecting the American people. And they're failing in that mission, which is why I say weakness are us. Weakness invites aggression.
0: Yeah, you're right on the money. Everyone I've talked to from foreign allies and their ambassadors to people closer to home, including many Democrats. I mean, you look at Bob Menendez on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, even he is sounding alarm that this administration is not over the target and can't define the American interest. That's the most interesting thing. For almost a century, foreign policy is based on define the American interest and then apply it to each of the foreign things. The Biden administration can't define the American interest, as you said, and it, it just, it stands out in a big way. Now, yesterday, much belated, eight, nine months belated by the legal obligation they had, they finally submitted to Congress their security strategy for the world. There were a couple things that struck me about it. The first thing is the guy who during the campaign said China's not our enemy yesterday said, you know, China's got uh, our biggest geopolitical threat, and that's kind of important. Because it was his son just a few years ago trying to make a lot of money off of China. By the way, helping them buy natural gas assets in the United States, helping them buy a defense contractor, Henning's up in Michigan. So there's a change in the China definition. Now Biden's gone from friend to, hey, they're our big adversary. But did it go far enough to capture the Chinese threat to America?
1: Uh, No, I've looked at the strategy and I'll tell you, I think you have to be, you have to unpack the relationship with uh, china and with other countries around the world and understand that they also relate to one another so this is a this is a chess game you know if you if you move the the bishop it's going to affect the relationship you've got with the rook and the and the and the knight and everybody else on the board and the deal with china is china is our knockdown dragout you'll see this in the next uh, 30 days they are our knockdown dragout ideological adversary they believe that repression and suppression in the name of uh, a marxist maoist uh, really a Marxist, Leninist, Maoist approach to humanity where humanity really doesn't count and you can repress, suppress, and lie, and that's okay as long as you keep order. Um, <clears throat> that, that ideology, that essentially neo-Soviet way of looking at the world, um, and Mao took all of his lesson plans from Stalin, um, is essentially our our primary competitor in the world in terms of what you think ought to really happen with humanity. If you believe in human rights the way we understand them today, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, our uh, Bill of Rights back to the Magna Carta, if you believe in that stuff, then you're on one side of the equation. And if you believe that repression and, and killing in the name of order is the right way to do it, and you, you know, throw an ideology around it like a cloak, uh, then you're, and you think the Chinese communists have it right, well, then, then that's where you belong. But the reality is we don't. 999 out of 1000 Americans don't believe that repression is the right answer under any circumstances, or they shouldn't believe that. And so unfortunately, what we've got is an ideological adversary, an ideological and an economic adversary, and we have an, an, an all out military um i 'm going to say more than adversary i mean their their mission you 'll see it in the next thirty days when they convene their communist uh congress their their annual event you 're going to see it they want world domination they are doing in 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 living color and and on steroids what the Soviets tried to do forty fifty years ago they they want World domination, and they're not making a secret of any money. They're going to lay in a thousand ICBMs between now and 2030. They're trying to uh, take over essentially everything in the Far East. It scares the heck out of the Australians and da- Japanese, and the, of course Taiwan. Uh, but w- we're sitting back on our haunches as if as if we're just going to wait for the next Pearl Harbor. And and that's not the way to manage deterrence of war. And it's not the way Congress should understand the threat before us. One of the one of the things I really hope and pray is that Americans will understand the gravity of what's happening in China how it affects us every single day the penetration of our computers the penetration of our business sector the penetration of our farmlands the p- penetration of our media the whole nine yards and understand that this kind of unrestricted warfare is not a joke this is this is the equivalent of being on the front burner and and you need to we need to sit up and then get our congress a new congress hopefully To to really pay attention to this issue, John, because this is front and center. Our national security is directly proportional to how how seriously we take threats like China. And I'll just say the, the main threat, which is China.
0: Yeah, it is. And it did seem downplayed in that uh, strategy in a big way. You did a much better job of defining the security threat than that document does. There was an amazing revelation in the last seven days. We had it on just the news and I still am stunned by it. But the Biden administration has apparently allowed China's Ministry of Public Security to set up a police station in New York. And a, it seems to be aimed at intimidating Chinese residents or Chinese Americans to come back home to repatriate. How big a deal was this? And why would the Biden administration allow this to happen?
1: Yeah, so, well, excellent questions, both of them. I would say it's a big deal, and I have no idea why they let it happen. I'd like to, and I'd like to assume that it was negligence and not recklessness or intent. But the, the bottom, the bottom line is that China has decided uh, after. Donald Trump kicked out these Confucius uh, centers uh, that were institutes that were essentially infiltration of our university system. And the Chinese still have infiltrated a large portion of our research uh, uh, university system, as well as some of our labs. But they, uh, I mean, look, they're they're like water looking for the corners of the the box. They're going to creep into everything you let them creep into, and they're going to fill it well, the difficulty here is that around the world, they have begun to establish these, they call them service centers, but I think it could more aptly be called intimidation centers. And the sad part here is that they're essentially trying to both extract people. They've taken 230,000 Chinese citizens and essentially by holding their their, their family hostage back in uh, in China and then showing them on video and audio, that they've got them, they're extracting them and pulling them home. Why? Because these are people who undoubtedly have become more integrated in a positive way, and are understanding capitalism, understanding democracy, and and are are essentially becoming part of the integrated Western understanding of of, uh, of all those things we love—free markets and and the freedoms that we find in our Bill of Rights. So they they are trying to intimidate them and pull them home. The double irony here is that. Not only should China not be doing that. Obviously, we we should not be complicit uh, in allowing that to happen. I mean, when when you allow uh, a foreign entity, uh, whether it's Iran or Russia or China, and in this case it's China, to, to to hold people captive or to threaten the family of someone, and then you you essentially don't PNG uh, make them persona non grata, have the State Department oust those people. Undertake at the state level with uh, state police as well as local sheriffs, even or or at the federal level with the FBI. You don't go in and 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 turn those places upside down. Then what you're doing is you're you're facilitating the hostage taking and the extortion and the extraction of these free people. Uh, you're, you're 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 essentially part of the process of targeting innocents. And um, it's it's really unconscionable that we should allow any of those entities to exist. And I'm I'm under the impression that. New York it may not be the only place where China is quietly setting these places up. So we need to protect our own and we need to protect those people that believe in that ideology. I talked a minute ago of freedom, uh, the idea that the Bill of Rights really matters. Um, and, and if the Biden administration isn't going to do it, who's going to do it? I mean, I thought we invested them with the power to do right and good, not to do wrong and get rich.
0: In between your two extraordinary tours of duty in government, first in the Reagan White House, then in the Bush State Department, an extraordinary event happened in American history, and that was the normalization of trade privileges for China. We had always had them an MFN, Most Favored Nation Status. Newt Gingrich was on the show about six, seven months ago, and he said— I got to tell you, John, of all the things I accomplished and did, the thing I'm most ashamed of, the thing I made the biggest mistake on was taking away MFN and giving China a blank check in America because they haven't reciprocated with the democracy and freedom that we thought we would get in return for it. As you look back now, was the end of MFN, the normalization of trade relations with China, a missed opportunity to keep some leverage over them?
1: I I think that think the whole notion, if it goes back to Bill Simon in the Nixon White House, and it comes all the way forward, and I ran a committee under Gingrich for five years at, on the Hill. So the over I mean, it, it, reality is, what we did is we engaged, because we're wishful and hopeful people, we we Americans are very generous in our thinking, we engaged in the wishful thinking, that if you offered economic freedom, and the money that is generated from that, you would get Political freedom.
0: We had a history on that, right, because that's kind of what happened with perestroika in the Soviet Union, which was when American economy started to go in there, were people like, I'd rather be America than the Soviet Union. So we had some reason to believe it worked somewhere, right?
1: Yes, although I'm going to tell you that I think that relationship uh, was very much based on Reagan and Gorbachev. I think you would never have had perestroika and Glasnost. You would never have had the turn And it it would have been a peaceful turn if Reagan hadn't essentially converted Gorbachev. And and so that was a very interpersonal, very high level leadership. And by the way, if you had a Reagan type figure and a Gorbachev type figure in China, which we do not have in in, in either case, uh, you might this kind of turn. But the thing we have to learn is when when you make a mistake and you go down a wrong turn, and it ends up being a dead end. You got to have the courage to say, damn it, I, I made a dead end. I, I made a wrong turn and I got to turn around. I got to go back and I got to get this right because, you know, time is always ticking. And that that's the problem we've got with China is that we indulged for good reason, with good thinking, as you said just a moment ago, with, without it's not that there was not evidence for this. But, you know, Colin Powell, for whom I worked, used to always say, Every decision you will make in life, every single one is made with incomplete information, and you still have to make the decision. But if you get it wrong, you have to then admit you got it wrong and turn around and make the right decision. And that's where
0: we're at with China right now. Iran, a big moment yesterday. And actually, it starts with Barack Obama. So 2009, we got the Green Revolution going on in Tehran, a real moment where maybe the regime could have been toppled. Obama doesn't embrace it, instead pursues the nuclear deal. And the people of Iran are subjected to 13, 14 more years of abuses like we've seen. For the beginning of this current set of protests, which are incredibly intense now and spreading and persistent, Biden was silent. And then Barack Obama drops a statement Tuesday night Kind of not making the same mistake he made in nine. said, I really do stand with the people in Iran. Forget the mullahs. Let's stand with the people. Biden has to come around the next day. He gets trumped by his old boss and say, I'm not pursuing the Iran deal anymore. It's, it's off the table. They're not interested. A big moment in the last 48 hours, a major policy failure for Biden. But does this administration have the capability to actually embrace those revolutionary mov- moments on the ground and lead to an overthrow of the mullahs?
1: Excellent. Again, excellent, really extremely timely question by the hour now. Um, But I'm going to make two observations. First, you know, we're in the beginning here of football season. And, um, you you know, what happened under Obama at that time, you know, was a massive strategic fumble. Um, There was room at that moment to potentially flip Iran. And we know that 85 percent of that population is under the age of 30 and actually are very pro-American. So you have a population that's like a, a pressure under a cork. And so the first thing is that was a strategic fumble and the enemy picked up the ball or call them the, the opposing side, picked up the ball and ran it almost to the touchdown line and almost have turned themselves nuclear. They're at the one yard line. So that was a huge strategic fumble. Um, the second piece of it is where we are today. And the notion that Biden sort of plays catch up, <laughs> never mind Obama plays catch up with himself, and tries to reverse course here knowing as we all have known for for decades uh if not years years if not decades that that this was a complete miscast. This was some sort of a crazy notion that they were going to make peace with Iran, and they were going to have an honorable end to their nuclear program, and they were all going to win Nobel Peace Prizes. That was a bunch of bulk. It was all never going to happen. And so anybody who knows Iran knows that was never going to happen. And so we're in a position right now where the question of you've reversed course, you're trying to support and a very, very powerful movement in the north of that country, which has already burned. I mean, they're active in 40 cities, they're burning buildings, the courage is growing, it's because of their treatment of women, it's, it's because of their treatment of everybody. But it, it was triggered by the death of a 22-year-old who didn't have her head garment on tightly enough, and, and so she was tortured and killed. And this, this stuff is just absolutely repulsive to the human conscience. And they're basically saying, when a country says, at large, our lives matter less, and the freedom that we hope and pray the future of this country will embrace, well, that's when things flip. It, 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 that's when they flip. I mean, that's when they flipped in the Philippines. That's when they flip all over the world. I mean, when, when something, so Iran is a horribly repressive, uh, unbelievably repressive and brutal country. And they, they literally, when they want to stop a protest, they've gone out uh, as they did several years ago with just uh, you know, the Revolutionary Guard and machine guns and they've just mowed down the protesters. It's not, this is, there's no subtlety to the way Iran operates. Um, internally or externally. But so the end game here is, the question is, does a statement by Biden mean anything? When you will run away from the Taliban and leave 100,000 of our allies, including 20,000 visa holders, just sitting there to die and to be chased away, around by the, by the Taliban uh, and, and terminated, what does your word mean? I mean, the notion that they'll somehow stand now with the free people, that people seeking freedom in Iran, I, I don't think it means much. If it were Reagan saying that, if it were Trump saying that, it would mean a lot. Um, But in the end, I I think now what we have to do is consolidate our thinking and say, look, Republican and Democrat, it doesn't really matter. If you believe in freedom, if you believe that these people have been tortured long enough and tormented long enough, then by all means, every media outlet should be shouting from the rooftops, we believe in what these people are doing. It is their movement, it is not ours. It was not instigated by us. It was instigated by them because they cannot continue to see their own people, particularly their young people, die at the hands of a repulsive barbaric islamic radical state
0: so man so well said and so true i mean the moment in history right now that we could be embracing versus what we are is so extraordinary we just got a couple minutes left i want to ask you bobby amac does such amazing work obviously for people who are senior citizens that's a core audience but you do it for all of america This economy, we just saw the Social Security went up 8.7 percent. That's actually not something to brag about because it doesn't even keep up with inflation. But the economy and the role it's going to play in the election for people who are now going and finding food 13, 14, 15 percent more expensive, how big an issue is it going into the election?
1: So I'm going to give you three quick thoughts. One is it's huge. Um, It pulls. At, in some of the major polls, it pulls 20 points above every other issue. It is, in my view, it is the the issue. And the reason it's the issue is that it affects every single American. And by the way, AMAC, as you say, we always say anybody who plans to get to the age of 50 can join. Um, it, the, the bottom line is it is a great organization defending, not only giving you lots of economic benefits, a great magazine, et cetera, but it, it defends these liberties at the state and federal level. So inflation is the issue because it truly affects all of us. And and, and the second point is the basket of goods that is measured is is a bit deceptive because the basket, and I have a graduate degree in economics, I mean, the basket of goods that is being measured is broad, but it also disproportionately represents things that people don't really care about and underrepresents things, particularly for seniors, that we do care about like energy, heating oil, groceries, transport, um, housing costs, medicine. So if you take just those five things, rental rental costs have jumped 26% in one year. So if you don't own your home, never mind that if you have a variable interest rate, uh, that's going out of the roof and so's your credit card. But but if you so rental property, look at things like uh, gas at the pump. They say, oh, well, it's declined. Well, no, it hasn't declined. It's declined in two months. But at the time he was at the time Biden was inaugurated, gas cost a dollar ninety eight on average. It's now I think on average three. 88 and it's rising. So, or 375 and it's rising. So that's about an 85, 6, 7, 8%, 88% roughly increase in inflation on at the pump. Okay. That's all attributable to Bol- to Biden because they've spent $3 trillion over regular order. So there's no revenue being collected to support that overspending. And they've shut down maybe 50% of the fossil fuel sector, which powers 60 or 70% of our power grid. You're never gonna have solar powered cars. You're never gonna have electricity that's generated just by wind and sun when 60 or 70% of the power grid has to come from from fossil fuels. So it looks, you know, I have to, I tell people, you know, your milk doesn't just come from a carton, it comes from your cow, okay? It, the electric doesn't just come from a pump, it comes from the people who work hard in the oil fields to generate it. So end game, inflation is the big issue. And the final thing I'll just say is that this administration has, I hesitate to say it, but they've misrepresented the truth really badly on this. They are directly responsible for this horrid inflation policy. And as a result, they are responsible for the higher interest rates, which are slowing down uh, everything from mortgages to credit and and your ability to afford your life. And so even if you don't like whoever the alternative is, if you believe that your life, your children, your mother, your father, your your grandparents, your grandchildren – deserve a stable dollar and a stable economy and and an inflation rate that doesn't just keep exponentially increasing, which that's what happens. It's what happened in the 70s. You had double-digit interest, double-digit unemployment, double-digit inflation, and people couldn't make a living. So if you don't want that outcome, you need to think hard about who your credible alternative is to this administration and to these Democrats. And I, I say that kind of reluctantly, because I wish that we all Americans believed in, the, in a stable economy with uh, low inflation, high employment, and great quality jobs for all of our kids. But unfortunately, um, that doesn't seem to be the way. We're just supposed to you know, forgive the educational loans, look the other way, and let the labor market uh, disappear under the, under the radar.
0: That's so important. You worked for a guy that asked a very important question in the fall of 1980. Are you better off than you were four years ago? I think Americans are going to say, are we better off two years ago when they walk into that booth in November? Bobby, it is such an honor. I think people understand why AMAC is so lucky to have you as their national spokesman Really one of the great thought leaders in our country, great security leaders. Real quickly, because we have this incredible partnership with AMAC, folks, if you love what you just heard, I know I did, from Bobby, and you want to get more of that, you can get it every day at AMAC. There's a special program. I've signed up for a five-year membership match me in doing this. It's a great deal. You go to amac.us slash just news, amac.us slash just news. You get a special discount, you get into the program, you get great content like this, great services, discounts, and, uh, they're fighting for freedom in America at a moment where it is extraordinarily under assault in every possible way. Bobby, I can't wait to get you back on this show real soon. Uh, really great conversation. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much. And, uh, I hope everybody just loves this country as much as you do and as much as I do. And I think uh, as much as all of those AMAC members do. So thanks again, John.
0: Amen to that. All right. Thank you, my friend. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
0: All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, great show. Big thanks to Devin Nunez and Bobby Charles for giving us so much time and a really thorough deep discussion to have. I love these two gentlemen because they want to go deep. They give you facts. They give you context. They explain what's going on in real everyday American terms. And you walk away learning something that you can't get or you didn't have before you came in. I'm so grateful for their time. And of course, if you want to join uh, AMAC taking advantage of the special Just the News offer, it is amac.us slash justnews, amac, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News, you get a special discount. I signed up for a five-year membership. I'm challenging you to do the same. If you do that, remember what you're doing. You're not only getting a great new partner for services and discounts and political intelligence and news and advocacy, you're also going to get a way to support Just the News, John Solomon Reports, Just the News, No Noise, and our journalism that provides all of these scoops and breaking news that we've been talking about every day. So, a subscription to AMAC is a great way to support Just the News, and you're going to get so, so many benefits from it. Thanks to Bobby Charles for joining us today and all the great folks at AMAC, great partners, excited to have them in our family. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday edition. Who knows what the news is going to be tomorrow? Today's been a breaking news alert day. Every couple hours, a breaking news alert's been fired out of the Just the News team. That's the kind of news day it has been. All right, folks, God bless you and have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite,
2: Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to
0: you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover
2: furthermore